Today in The Journey, Pastor Steve DeWitt explains how Moses points us to a greater Savior. We, we, we got way more than Moses ever did to assure us that living for Christ is better than living for anything this world has to offer. We are far more privileged than he. So while there is much to admire in Moses, Jesus is greater and better. The life of Moses is a prophetic parallel to the life of Jesus Christ. But the magnitude of what Jesus achieved and offers far exceeds that of Moses. Welcome to The Journey with Steve DeWitt. Today, Pastor Steve concludes his Moses series with a finale in the book of Hebrews. It's the conclusion of a message called, If You Like Moses, You'll Love Jesus. If you missed the first part of this message or any from our Moses series, you can replay them online at thejourney.fm. Now here's Pastor Steve. Why is Jesus so much better than Moses? Today, we are out of the Old Testament. We are into the New Testament, and we are all the way to the book of Hebrews. And uh, the writer of Hebrews, he's writing, or she even possibly, writing Hebrews and tooling along about how Jesus is, is better. His covenant's better. His, you know, he's better, greater than the angels. He gets to chapter 3, and now... Here, early in the, in the book, he addresses Moses. Now, in some ways, the whole book of Hebrews, and in many ways, the entire Bible, is summarized by that, those two words in verse 1, consider Jesus. And that's what I want everybody here to do today. So Hebrews here now puts the great Moses in his proper place. And where would that be? Well, by comparing Moses' role in redemption to Jesus' role in redemption, the writer here uses two analogies to compare. And the first one is that Jesus is the architect and builder of redemption. Moses merely served in the house. He goes on now. Look at verse 5. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant, to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. So Jesus is God's son. Moses is a servant, awesome servant, amazing servant. Love Moses, but he's no son. Let's skip ahead now to uh, Hebrews 11. So what does he say about Moses? Look at verse 24. By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God to suffer than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king. This story should sound familiar to you, by the way. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch him. Moses himself viewed Jesus as being not just greater, but worth all of the reproach and all of the suffering and all of the things that he went through in his ministry that, 
that it was, you say, why did Moses do it? What was his motivation? The writer of Hebrews says it was actually Moses seeing by faith the worth and the value of knowing and having Jesus Christ. We see that with Moses, he so valued Christ that he willingly set aside other things that most people value equal or even more than Jesus. Look at verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God. The prince became a slave. Does that sound like anybody else you know? So he valued Jesus over social status and social standing. He had access to any pleasure that royalty and status allowed. We're not talking about holy and righteous pleasures that God has built into creation. We are talking about the immoral enjoyment of pleasures. Sin is pleasurable for a season, but it is always insane in the long run. I wonder if maybe today you might be caught up in the fleeting pleasure of sin. There is a kind of plus that right now seems greater than the possible negative, and you are being tempted to ignore the consequences. I want you to see in Moses somebody who denied an immediate pleasure in order to get a greater pleasure. And this is something that Christianity through Christ offers to sinners like us, is not a lesser pleasure, but actually a greater pleasure and a greater treasure. In this way, sin is always settling for. It is a lesser experience of joy. And it always takes faith to believe that obedience to God in the long run is a greater pleasure than disobedience to God can be in the immediate. Deny ourselves a fleeting sinful pleasure for a long-term gain. You know, in sports they say short-term pain, long-term gain. Temptation is always a choice between a short-term gain and a long-term pain, or by faith in Jesus, a short-term pain for a long-term gain. Which of those two would you choose? And wisdom always plays the long game. Wisdom always wants the lingering and the lasting joy and pleasure, not the short and the fleeting. And what we see with Moses here is that he saw Christ as a greater pleasure than any pleasure the palace provided. And what he did is he gave up the lesser in order to gain the greater. And in that, there is a good lesson for us as we deal with temptation in a daily way. In fact, if I could ask you, how's that going for you, Christian? Might you today be caught up in some kind of a besetting sin that perhaps is creating a temporary pleasure, but in your conscience, or maybe when you're at church, there's this sort of lingering thought that am I really messing up my life? And indeed, the call of Scripture is we are always messing up our life when we are denying ourselves the best pleasure of all.
which comes by faith and obedience in Jesus Christ as our Savior. This is the daily decision that we make. And so my appeal today is to look at life the way that Moses looked at his life, to view Christ as better than anything this sin palace has to offer, and to play the long game, and to get the greater pleasure. With me? Okay. In fact, I make a note here. Today, do you think Moses is glad that he did? I'm going to circle back around to that here at the, at the conclusion. So, he viewed Christ as greater than social status. He viewed knowing Christ as greater than uh, royal pleasures. It also includes royal treasures. Look at verse 26. He considered the reproach of Christ, notice this, greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. So, so just like he did, the, the pleasure-seeking Moses looked at the harem and looked at all the opportunities and said, I'm setting that aside because I want the greater pleasure of knowing Christ. He similarly did that with the material wealth that was there in the palace of Egypt. He saw how short-sighted it would be to live for gold and silver and stuff. He denied that in order to gain a greater treasure, which is found in Jesus Christ, a more lasting treasure. Notice that it's interesting. It says in verse 26 that having Christ by faith is called here the reproach of Christ. Okay? The reproach of Christ. He viewed even having that reproach a greater reward in the future than whatever the palace would offer him, okay, more valuable to him than the riches of Egypt. We're talking about one of the richest people groups who have literally ever lived. You probably have seen pictures of King Tut's tomb as one kind of indication of the gold and the silver and the wealth of Egypt. It is famous in antiquity for how rich it was. And that very rich environment was what Moses grew up in. In fact, there are some people that speculate, and I'm not an Egyptian expert, I'm just relating this to you. There are some people that speculate that because he was the son of Pharaoh's daughter, and the, you know, the Pharaohs may have many daughters, etc., so it's speculation, but it is possible that Moses would have been in line to be Pharaoh himself. He would have been the richest person in the world. And here's Moses looking at the pile of gold and looking at what it meant to know Christ. And he said, knowing Christ and having Christ is so much more valuable than the riches of Egypt. I wonder if you ask Moses, why? Would you give up such vast riches? I mean, that seems crazy. In, in, in a materialistic world like we live in today, that is insanity. Why would you possibly do that? And this is what I think Moses would say. I didn't lose anything. I didn't lose anything. I didn't give up anything. I saw the Christ of the future, and by faith I gained him who is worth more than anything this world has to offer. 
And I think in this way, in, in, in some ways, this is the most powerful thing that Moses' life speaks to a culture like we live in today, where we are a treasure-addicted society, where money and materialism and the things that money can buy and the security that money provides is so highly valued. Moses, by faith, looks past a bigger pile than all our church could make in a lifetime and says, nope, I want him. I want him. I'm going after him. And godly faith makes wise investments like that. I think that Moses would have liked the lyrics to the hymn, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. He's better than status. He's better than pleasures. He's better than treasures. This Jesus. If you like Moses then, you'll love Jesus, okay? You'll love Jesus. Moses serving in the house, Jesus built the house. Moses serving in the house, Jesus son of the house. Moses treasured Jesus more than anything and his life is a living testament to that. You look at his life and the ups and downs, the incredible highs and lows, how did he do that? Moses, how did you do it? It comes down to what he saw and by faith believed that motivated his life. And it challenges us today, friends, to do the same, okay? To not value what in the end isn't valuable. To live for what in the end is most valuable. And here's the thing, you don't have to make a billion dollars uh, to be rich. If you have Christ, you are the richest person in the room. As somebody said, to have Christ and nothing is to have, or and everything is to have nothing more than the person who merely has Christ. He is treasure. When you see it in the long game, in the big picture, he is the most valuable treasure there is. And so I encourage us to look at Moses and to see how he valued what mattered in the end. And to look at the things that even in the world that we live in today, social status or you know, these uh, symbols of status and what we do, drive, you know, how we live, whatever it might be. Those things don't matter, right? Sinful pleasures that are pumped at us every day. Live for these things. Did Moses make a wise choice? This is my last question. Did Moses make a wise choice? So I'd like in conclusion to um, consider Moses today and Pharaoh today. Okay, historic Moses historic Pharaoh, let's compare Moses and the mummy. Moses and the mummy. And I want to tell you a, a little story from my life. Many years ago, I went on a tour. We actually had people from our church that went on this tour. We went to Israel, and then we went and spent like three days in Egypt. And uh, if you get a chance to do that, totally fascinating, wonderful trip. Maybe we'll plan another one around here in the near future. We'll see. But uh, we went to Cairo. And there in Cairo is a world-famous museum. It's called the Museum of Antiquities, okay? There, Egypt houses its 
treasures and all of the archaeological finds and things there in the Museum of Antiquities. Think about like Egypt on steroids. That's the experience of going, and it's huge. I mean, it's a massive museum. So we went to this museum, and this is after being in Israel, and you've seen all these things, and you're in Egypt, you know, the pyramids and all of that. I was kind of like running low on seeing something new and exciting at that point. But it was, very, it was very interesting to see all these things. And there in the museum, they have the Hall of Pharaohs. And I remember standing there thinking, do I want to see this? Because I'm kind of like on overload. And it was an extra charge to go see the Hall of Pharaohs. And I took a breath. I thought, okay, well, I'm here. I may never be back here. I should probably go see it. So paid the extra fee, went into this room. And it was not a very big room. But in this room, there are all of these glass you know, they almost look like caskets, if you will, but they're made in, in glass. Uh, and they go in a circle uh, around this room. And encased in these glass boxes are 11 of the greatest pharaohs and some of their wives in all of Egyptian history. These are powerful men like Ramses II, Amenhotep, and and others. So I walked around, and they said who they were. Most of them I'd never heard of. You know, so-and-so the third, such-and-such the fifth, whatever it was. And I'm going around, and I came to Ramses the second. And uh, I've heard of Ramses the second. In fact, there are many people who think Ramses the second was the Pharaoh during the time of Moses. And I, I got to that, this case, and, and I stood there, and I looked at, you know, the body. They have them unwrapped, like, down to the midsection like this. You can see their, their, uh, their head, their shoulders, even some of their hair thousands of years later. It's kind of illuminated. If this is feeling a little creepy to you right now, <laughs> that is exactly what it's like to be in that room. It's kind of a creepy mummy experience. And I stood there, and, and I kind of looked around. My memory is I was in there by myself. There are no security guards. There might have been cameras, which I couldn't see. And I kind of looked around, and I thought that I would risk it. And so I went over to Ramses II, and I, I like, I'm tall enough, I, I, I got like, I didn't crawl literally on top of it, but I was pretty much on top of the case, and I put my face right down on the, the glass. And I, I am like one inch from the glass. Ramses II is two inches under the glass. I'm probably three inches from perhaps the Pharaoh at the time of Moses. And I looked very carefully at him. And do you know what he looked like? He looked dead. (laughs) In other words, he looked like every other rich and powerful person that has ever lived and died. He looked very dead. What good did all the wealth and all the power and all the pyramids, and all the glory of being the Pharaoh of the great 
ancient Egypt. In the end, what good did it do him? Now imagine with me that today we could get up close, not to the mummy, but to Moses. Get real close to Moses. What do you think that experience is like? What must it be like to stand there next to Moses in heaven and everybody that walks by wants to meet him? Moses! Hey, Moses! And Moses is like, hey, who are you? Let's talk. We got eternity. (laughs) Think about being Moses right now. All the honor that God himself bestowed upon the faithful servant in the redemptive house is now Moses' glory and honor. All of the pleasure that God promises is at his right hand. Moses, of all people, experiencing in perfection and fullness. Right now, it's great to be Moses. And in this, we really see two paths and two ways to live our lives. There is Ramses II and the things that Ramses lived for, and there is Moses and what he valued. And I wonder again, which today would you rather be? Which path will your life choose and follow? Liking Moses and loving Jesus means following Moses' own faith of valuing Christ more than all of these other things. Who today is the foolish one? Moses or the mummy? Which would you rather be? To say about Jesus and Moses' faith, Moses, what he knew, we're not sure, but we know what we know, and that's way more than Moses knew. We know about Jesus, and we know about the virgin birth, and we know about his cross, and we know how he died for our sins, and we know about his tender love for sinners like us, and we know about his resurrection, conquering death, and we know about his promise that anybody who trusts and believes in him, their sins will be forgiven, and they, give the, give, they get the gift of eternal life. We, we, we got way more than Moses ever did to assure us that living for Christ is better than living for anything this world has to offer. We are far more privileged than he. So while there is much to admire in Moses, Jesus is greater and better. And I conclude the series with, if you like Moses, you'll love Jesus. You're listening to The Journey with Steve DeWitt in the conclusion of a message called, If You Like Moses, You'll Love Jesus, the last message in our Moses series. Remember, you can revisit this series anytime when you go to our website, thejourney.fm. Well, here on The Journey, it's our mission to encourage and equip you in your journey of faith. And that's why each and every day, we broadcast the truth of God's Word to men and women all over the world. But without our listeners, this wouldn't be possible. When you support this ministry by becoming a monthly partner or by giving a one-time gift, you help cover the costs of delivering this Bible teaching program on the radio and web. So would you consider giving to support this vital mission? You can call us at 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or give online at thejourney.fm. And as a thank you, you'll receive... Moses, a man of selfless dedication, 
It's written by author and Bible teacher Chuck Swindoll. This book transforms a familiar story into one of profound spiritual insights, challenging lessons, and practical life applications. The faith and dedication of Moses are contagious, and with this book, you can begin growing in your own journey of faith and leadership. You'll draw inspiration from his remarkable example. But today's the last day you can request this resource, so don't delay. Request your copy of Moses, A Man of Selfless Dedication when you call 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or visit us online at thejourney.fm. And while you're there, be sure to join our mailing list to receive updates from The Journey. Just scroll to the blue box at the bottom of the page and then enter your name and email. And if you'd like to connect with us through Facebook or email, you'll find the links at the top of the page. Once again, that's thejourney.fm. Well, I'm Tim Svoboda. Be sure to join us next time for more teaching from Pastor Steve DeWitt here on The Journey. Today's program was produced and furnished by Bethel Church in Crown Point, Indiana.